Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. And today what we're going to be discussing is judging versus perceiving. This is a continuation of our series on the MBTI or the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator. So the EI preference, the extroversion versus introversion, that was the first week where we talked about how do you recharge your battery. The next one we talked about was sensing versus intuition. And that's how you gather information and process that information. And the last episode was thinking versus feeling. And that's how, with the information that you've gathered, how do you make decisions? And today, like Tim said, we're going to jump into judging versus perceiving. So an important way to understand judging versus perceiving is that it's kind of how you organize your world or how you prefer the world around you to be organized. An interesting thing is that judges tend to like the world outside of themselves to be organized versus perceivers are more concerned with organizing their internal world. And I think for me in particular, when I'm feeling uncomfortable because I'm a judger, I tend to want to clean or organize things. And then when things are cleaned or organized on the outside, I internally feel more structured and relaxed. Whereas for me, I need my internal world structured so that I can have the freedom to just go with the flow in the external world. So today we're going to talk about 10 different areas between judges and perceivers and how they approach each of these areas. So the first area that we'll talk about is the approach to planning. So judger types have a tendency to enjoy planning and organizing their lives. Now, a judger is not necessarily going to sit down and write it out, although judges would appreciate that. I think for me, I love checklists. I like checklists because I can see what I need to do and then I can see the progress that I've made along the way. And I actually get a little bit of an emotional boost every time I check something off of the checklist. It feels good to me. I've actually had clients tell me on occasion, and they are not judges, they're perceivers, that a piece of paper is not going to tell me what to do. And they almost take offense to having that listed out. But for me, I really enjoy that type of process. I think another interesting thing about the judging type is that whether it's written down or not, there is some level of plan that is inside the judger's mind for how things are going to go. So when judges' plans get disrupted, it can be emotionally dysregulating or difficult for them to manage, whether it's a voiced schedule that they have or an internalized schedule that maybe they haven't said to anybody. It gets difficult for that to get adjusted or moved. And I think a lot of times for judges, it can cause some anxiety when the plan doesn't go the way they had originally anticipated for it to go. And so for me, a part of something that I have to do as a judger is try to bake into my planning that plans are going to change. And if I don't bake that into my internal mechanisms when I'm trying to come up with a structure for my organization, if I just have this expectation that things are going to go all to plan, it's going to be more frustrating for me than if I say, this is my plan, I hope it goes this way, but I have a high likelihood that some components of it are going to be disrupted then it makes it much more palatable for me when something comes along and changes the course of the direction that I was trying to go. And that's something that usually comes along and changes it is his wife, that's a P. (laughs) Absolutely. Because for P's, as perceivers, we tend to prefer more flexible and spontaneous approaches. 
And I think that's perfect for having kids because having kids initially for me, I think, was probably more of a transition because it was a lot harder to plan exactly how the day was going to go with kids entering into the picture because their needs are chaotic and unpredictable a lot of times versus for you rolling with the punches. It makes it easier as a P. Yeah, and I think it's that idea of like you like scheduled things and routines and things that you're familiar with. Whereas for me, I don't like the same routines again and again. I like that variety and the change and that novelty. One time we had an office and we were coming up at the end of our lease and Ruth was like, maybe we should move offices. (laughs) And it was just for the sake of doing something different. There's nothing wrong with the office space that we were renting. And she was just like, well, maybe we just need a change. I was like, well, why do we need a change? This is working out just fine for us. And it was just down the hall, but we had a lot of heavy furniture we would have had to move just for the sake of it. Well, and I think when you think about people in their home, I think P's are more the people who like to change it around every so often, whereas J's are like, this is how it's been working. This works great. Why are we going to put the effort into changing it? And remember, like we've said in every one of these episodes, that it really is dependent on your other letters and your other preferences because they work together differently. So with that example of J's, I know that there are going to be maybe some intuitive J's who still like to change things around in the home. Or there's people who are introverted feelers who go out and spend a lot more time with people than you would normally expect an introvert to because their feeling is drawing them out more because they want to meet other people's needs. And so that feeling aspect is superseding the introverted aspect. Right. So they all just kind of work together. And so we can talk about this kind of in theory at a certain level as we go through each of these preferences. But then each individual is going to be different. So another thing about the approach for planning is I really like open-ended planning, right? Whereas Tim wants to plan and he wants to know what the plans are and have dates and deadlines. Whereas I like that flexibility and freedom to not making decisions and buckling down to a plan so far in advance that I won't be able to change the plans. And that's kind of what he's talking about when he wants to make a decision and make plans he has to almost bake it into his mind that there's a possibility, and being married to me, there's a big possibility that plans will change. A probability, in (laughs) fact. And I think I am a moderate P. I'm not a super strong P. So there are times when I do like things set in advance, and I love using my calendar and planning that way. So I think I like the general idea of what's going to happen on what date, but I like the flexibility of just going with the flow on that day. So if we plan a vacation, I want to know specifically what dates they're going to happen on so I can get different ideas around it, but I don't want to schedule it hour by hour. I want to be able to change things and have that flexibility. Next is judges versus perceivers approach to decision making. J types tend to prefer to make decisions quickly and move on. Now, there's a place that I think this comes across very evidently for me, and it's when I'm helping friends or family move. I can help you move from morning till evening, as long as there's something to keep going with. If we're moving things in boxes and furniture, I'm totally fine. But if people start running out of stuff for me to do, and I'm sitting then waiting for something else to be ready, that starts to drain me. 
I think judges are really motivated by momentum. If I can keep this momentum going, I can keep going. But if I have to stop and then restart again, that becomes much more difficult for me. And so for me, if we're talking about some of the more granular details and things like that, and that prevents us from taking action, that's demotivational for me. I want to be moving to try to keep going towards the end goal. For me, I plan to keep my options open and explore different possibilities before making a decision. So this is always really fun in our marriage when we're trying to make a decision because Tim would rather make a decision and move on with it, whereas I would rather sit and talk about all the possibilities and, in a sense, brainstorm, which we know from the past episodes, I love brainstorming, and brainstorming really stifles him. And then after we've done all that and talked about all the possibilities, then I like to make a decision. And I think a part of this difference goes along with judging versus perceiving, where judges tend to be more task-oriented, where they want to complete a task, versus perceivers are process-oriented, where they are enjoying the process of going through things. And so a way that I think we really differ in this, Ruth, is even just drinking a drink. And so when I'm drinking a drink, it is a task. I'm drinking the drink to get to the bottom of the glass. I'm not there to necessarily sit and enjoy and savor it. It's I want the effects of the drink. If I'm drinking coffee, I want that caffeine in my system. If I'm drinking water, it's because I'm dehydrated and I want to not be dehydrated. I want the water in my system to then do its task. Versus I think for you, right, how does it feel when you get down to the last 10% of the glass? I think for me, I kind of prolong it because I don't want the end to come. So I don't finish my drinks. And so then for you, being a perceiver, it's even with the drink, it's this open-ended thing where it's like, there's always a possibility I could go back and drink that again. (laughs) Right. And I think it speaks to, for judges, it's a desire for closure. And for perceivers, it's a desire for options. And I think it's funny because it's just such a small example. But it does happen all the time in everyday life. Next is approach to time. Judges tend to be punctual and value scheduling and deadlines. And so I think for a lot of judges, judges tend to be very timely and punctual, not necessarily because they're just very good at managing time. I do think judges have a tendency to have a great ability to estimate accurately how long something's going to take. But there's also a certain amount of anxiety that's kind of sprinkled in with not being timely. And it's very uncomfortable for a judger to not be on time to something or not to meet some level of deadline. And so that anxiety is actually the thing that kind of tends to draw the judger towards making those deadlines or being somewhere on time. So it's not necessarily just that they're really great at time management. It's that they are pressed towards being good at time management because of the discomfort of not managing it well. And for perceivers, we're a lot more relaxed about time. And we're not as focused on meeting those deadlines until it's right in our face. And we're like, oh, man, I should have started this a couple of days ago or a couple of weeks ago. There's an interesting term, and the idea is what's called time blindness. And people who are perceivers a lot of times run into this time blindness where they're not very good at accurately describing or identifying how long a task will take. They're kind of overly optimistic with how fast they can get it done versus judges tend to be a little more on the pessimistic side of how long a task will take, which is why people who are judges have more of a tendency to be more timely versus perceivers have a tendency to run a little bit more late. And I think this idea of time blindness is really connected to ADHD, but it's very applicable to being a perceiver. And when we talk about this approach to deadlines and time, that perceivers really prefer a variety and multitasking 
And oftentimes I think I'm more effective and energized when I get closer and closer to that deadline. Whereas judges, they're early starters and they like to oftentimes work on one thing at a time and bring that thing to completion at the proper time. So they're early starters. And oftentimes, would you say you get done with things ahead of deadline and ahead of schedule? Well, I definitely prefer to be done ahead of schedule because the closer I draw to the schedule, the more uncomfortable that makes me. And so having something done a week or two weeks in advance oftentimes makes me feel good because then I get to enjoy the rest from having it done early and then not having to worry about that deadline for that entire time. Whereas when you say one or two weeks ahead of time, that gives me anxiety (laughs) because I think it ties into what we just talked about on that last time, that idea of closure, where if I finish things one or two weeks in advance, I think, did I really look at all the options? Are there other things that I can add to whatever project that is? And I think maybe I didn't complete it fully because I haven't gone through all the options. Well, and I wonder if this is a part of it too. And so when we were playing Sky Joe the other day and you were taking some risky moves during that game, and I kind of joked that you're not having fun unless your palms are sweating. (laughs) And so I wonder if kind of something that goes on for you too is when those deadlines come up, your palms get a little bit sweaty. It makes it a little more exciting for you versus for me, it's like having this foregone conclusion that it's going to be done on time is much more relaxing for me. So I want that ability to relax and not worry about it versus for you, that excitement of getting close to the deadline gives you more motivation. Right. And for me, it's that excitement, but that same sweaty palms for you is anxiety. For sure. Which actually, it's a really interesting point. The only difference between feeling like something's exciting versus something's anxiety provoking is the thought process go through your head because you get the exact same physiological sensations for excitement and anxiety, but just you have a different thought process about what's happening. So if you really enjoy roller coasters and they're a lot of fun for you, you're getting the same physical cues as you're getting when you're feeling anxious, but you're just excited about the ride. You know, it's going to be safe. So you're not really worried. You get this adrenaline rush that kind of goes through. You might even get a little bit shaky, but people attribute that to, oh, I'm feeling excited. But realistically, they're thinking, I'm excited to go on this ride. It's going to be a lot of fun. But those same exact body cues are, oh man, I almost got into an accident. I'm feeling nervous and scared right now. And I think judging versus perceiving's time management is where a lot of couples can get into conflict when they're one or the other. And I think this is an area where sometimes we've had conflict over it. But a part of it is recognizing who your partner is and what their needs are. And so for me, recognizing for you, Ruth, that being later on things just does not bother you. It doesn't really get under your skin because you don't have that emotional motivation drawing you to it in order to maintain on top of schedules for my preference. I need to remind you or tell you what my internal dialogue is about when I want to get things done versus just me assuming that you should be on the same page with me. I have to verbally communicate what my needs are with being more timely with things. Oh, yeah, I think that's a really important thing to address because it's subjective, right? Because when you ask me to do something, a lot of times they'll say, oh, yeah, I'll work on that. And that could be a month from now. But when you're asking me in your mind, you're thinking, I want her to get this done now or within a week or two, maybe. And so judges in particular will always have a internal schedule of when they're expecting something to get done. And so we ran into the situation one time where I wanted you to do something for me. And I had an internal dialogue, but I kind of understood. I was like, if I just ask her to do this, but I don't put a timeline on it, it's going to be way later than I want it to be. 
And so I think for me, normally when I'm asking something, I want it to be done within fairly short order versus for you, you have a longer extended timeline. And so when it came up to that moment, I said, hey, can you do this for me? And is it fair for me to ask you to do it by the end of the day? You're like, oh yeah, fine, that, that's no problem. And so if you're married to somebody who's a different either judger or perceiver from you, if you're that judger, you have that internal timeline. You need to make sure that you're effectively communicating that to your partner. But also I think if you're a perceiver, make sure you don't just tell your partner like, oh yeah, no, I can get it done if you're not actually going to get it done because that's really going to grate on the judger where they're going to feel unheard and unimportant if you say you'll do it, but then you don't end up following through on it. And so that's why I specifically asked in that moment, is it fair for me to ask you to have it done by the end of the day to elicit if there was anything that would prevent you from following through? Oh, yeah. And I don't think that I felt stifled or had the pressure from you to get it done. I think that I really appreciated in that instance where you communicated that to me. Because like you said, that could so easily be a source of stress in a marriage. Because I think that I've seen that time and time again in session with couples and even in our own marriage, how just time is such a source of stress for people because one person, it's so important for them to be not just on time, but early. And the other person is okay being just on time or even a few minutes late. And over time, when that happens again and again and again, that irritation can really build up. And that's the same for deadlines, where it's not just showing up somewhere on time. It's, hey, I asked him to do this, and it's five months later, and he still hasn't done this. I've heard that several times in couples counseling. And the other person will say, well, I have this and this and this to do. And I think that's fair because they do have a lot to do. But I think it's helpful when you express that specific timeline for me because you don't do that all the time. When you ask for me to do something, you don't always put a deadline to it. So when you do, I know that it's important to you, and I really try to make sure that I get it done. Mm, absolutely. And one of the things about time that I think is important for judges to recognize is that if a perceiver is running late, they're not intentionally being disrespectful to the person. And I think judges a lot of times can get very easily offended if a perceiver is running late. But having this understanding, they're not trying to disrespect you in any way, shape, or form but that their perception and understanding of time is very different from a judge's. And a judge's not necessarily being respectful by being on time. They're managing their anxiety or discomfort by being on time. Number four is preference for structure. J's tend to prefer structure and order in their lives, while P's are more comfortable with ambiguity and are open to new experiences. And so for judges, I think you'd kind of mentioned it a little bit ago, Ruth, where you were saying that they like routine and predictability. And I think for me, that's very much a true statement where that routine and that predictability is a comforting thing for me versus I think for P's, that routine or predictability can feel boring or uninteresting a lot of times. Sometimes judges can definitely get stuck in a rut where they're not willing to go outside and try new experiences. And I think one of the very interesting things about this is that kind of me in my judging J nature would not have been interested in and was not interested in going to get the training for EMDR versus for you, your P, you love that training and you wanted to go and experience a new thing. And now looking back and I'm like, oh man, that was such a wonderful, amazing decision 
that my desire for routine and just continuing on as things have normally been was something that actually would have prevented me from learning this new skill that has been an amazing, wonderful addition to my practice, but not only just my practice and how I treat my clients, but also just for myself and my own life and how it's dramatically affected me in a positive way emotionally myself. Oh, yeah. And I think that you're right, that peas aren't just comfortable with ambiguity and open to new experiences, but we thrive on it. And I think it mixes things up from the mundane daily things that happen and the routine that just happens again and again and again. And so when there are new experiences, it kind of gives us that boost for a new opportunity and new options that are out there. And I think this also boils down to an interesting point where judges tend to be more pessimistic versus perceivers tend to be more optimistic. And so that's why a judger wouldn't necessarily be as interested in trying a new thing. They're going to view it from a more pessimistic point of view where it's like, this new thing's not likely to be very interesting or helpful, and so I'd rather just not engage in it. Versus for a perceiver, they're very hopeful that, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be wonderful and amazing. And I think one way to put it is that judges focus on direction and actions. Like, this is what we've been doing. This is what we're doing. Whereas peas kind of focus on exploration and prefer to look around and see what's out there. So that example of the EMDR training That was something that was really interesting to me and I wanted to explore more and to get more information to get the training on it so that we could practice it. Whereas for you, we didn't know about it very much in the beginning and what we were doing was working. So it wasn't the excitement of looking into something new that got you. But I think as you saw more and more that it worked and that it made sense, then it was easier for you to get on board. And I think part of that too is that thinking versus feeling decision-making where you need to see all the facts and until we fully understood it, it was a harder decision to make for you. And I think for me, it was a mixture of being a perceiver and being a feeler and wanting to look around and explore new things, but also having experienced it myself and feeling that this is going to be a really good thing for our practice. It was easy for me to make a decision that way. Yeah, that's totally what I was thinking because practically it didn't make sense to me that it would work or be helpful or beneficial. And so I was a little more hesitant on it. But then once I did see, oh, this is very practical, it's very helpful, then I was much more on board with it. I even remember thinking when you first proposed us going to the training, I remember thinking, I'm doing fine as a therapist. I don't need anything more. And that was kind of part of my judging perspective being stuck in that rut where it's like, I don't necessarily want to go outside and try something new because what I'm doing now is doing just fine. But now in retrospect, looking at it, it's like, oh man, I was doing just fine, but now it's so much better. It's great now compared to the results that I was getting before. Next is how judging versus perceiving focus on details. Jays tend to be detail-oriented and focus on the specifics of a situation. Now, this may seem a little bit counter to the approach to decision-making where I talked about where it's like, I don't want to get bogged down in the details, but it's about this idea of getting stuck and not moving forward because of the details versus focusing on important details that help you to make sense of a situation and then make a decision to move forward. And so they're not really contrary, but one is not getting stuck versus, hey, these details are helpful and important towards making a good and helpful and accurate decision to be able to move forward with. And peas tend to be more inclined to look at the big picture and kind of consider multiple options within that bigger picture. So I think it's this idea that J's will look at the details to help them decide. So they focus on the details, they study it, they figure things out, and they act based on that. Whereas P's like to just go and we decide kind of on the go. We don't necessarily look at all the details ahead of time, 
but we'll figure out the details as we go along. And I think, too, I think judges are a little more self-assured in their decision-making process because judges tend to view the world in more of a black and white where there's a right and there's a wrong. And so when they get the details, they make a decision, they don't really hem and haw a lot about it because it's like, nope, this is the right choice. Versus perceivers tend to view the world in much more shades of gray where it's there's not a right or wrong. And so there's a lot more possibilities for perceivers to consider than there are for judges to consider. And I think the FP for me plays into this because if I'm going on a trip or I'm doing something with friends, I don't necessarily want to make all the decisions. Whereas Tim just said, this is the right answer. This is what we're going to go with. And he can make a decision and go with it. Whereas part of me wanting all the options is me wanting to know how that will affect everyone else so that I can also incorporate that into the decision making process. And I think this is an interesting thing where my introversion comes into play, where my thinking and judging may come to a conclusion, this is the right answer, but then I may not even say it because my introversion aspect doesn't want to spend the energy to communicate that to other people. And so I think if you're a thinking judger in particular, you're always going to have an idea of what you think is right and wrong and what you think should be done or not done. But it also is dependent on you may not express that as much based on if you're introverted versus extroverted. If you're extroverted, you're definitely going to speak your mind, especially if you're a thinking judger. But that introversion aspect of it can cause me not to communicate that all the time. All right, guys, that's all the time we have for today. Join us in our next episode where we continue to talk about the difference between judges and perceivers. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.